Christ commands us to love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, this raises the question, how do I love myself exactly? As my neighbor? It's a bit of a paradox. We're going to explore it today as we go deeper into the cardinal virtue of temperance on episode 23 of Deep in Christ. Hello and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International, sharing with you another discussion about our daily task of growing deeper in imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks, as always, for being part of this discussion. Uh, as Father Peter and I discussed last week, um, unlike the other three cardinal virtues, prudence, justice, and courage, this virtue of temperance that we're discussing now takes an unexpected turn. It looks inward taking as its object the inner life of man, his drives, his passions, his desires, um, and it seeks to put order into those. And it's interesting because you know, we have a healthy hesitancy as Christians to turn to ourselves, to look inward, to talk about how we might love and care for ourselves, just because you know, throughout Scripture um, there's, there's warnings about those who are lovers of self, you know, that's what, that's what pride is, in a sense, is this inordinate self-love. Uh, and certainly in our modern discourse, in modern thought, um, self-love, self-care, uh, self-esteem are, are sort of watchwords. And so, you know, for these reasons, we're, we're, we're hesitant. You know, what, what does it mean to love myself uh, well and rightly? Clearly, there's got to be a distinction here. There's got to be a kinds of self-love that are clearly contrary to the, the gospel charity that we're called to. Um, there must be a kind of self-love that is just, that is in accord with reason, that is in accord with virtue, that is in accord with, with Christ's call for us. There must be a kind of self-love that, that um, makes sense of the paradox, right? The paradox of Christ calling us to love neighbor as, as we love ourself. And yet again, so this question of, well, how do I love myself so that I can know how to love my neighbor? Maybe the answer is I need to love myself as I would love my neighbor. You know, when we turn outward toward a neighbor or a spouse or a friend or a child, it actually becomes a little easier to answer that question of, of how do I love this person? How do I take care of them? Anyway, all that's what we're going to discuss today. Joseph Pieper describes temperance as selfless self-preservation, as we noted last week. Selfless as opposed to selfish. And so that really is what's uh, going on here. Temperance is a kind, is a way of turning to the self in a virtuous way. And we're going to explore that today on Deep in Christ. So it was a great conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Let's dive in. Hey, Father, Brother Peter. Yeah. Welcome back. Thanks. I am excited to keep talking about temperance with you today. Is it plugged in? No, you just keep bumping am it. Am I plugged in here? Yeah, you're plugged in. Yeah. I'm so excited, man. We've been digging into temperance um, actually for a few weeks now because we had a couple episodes we lost yeah. that we're, we're sort of Gosh, rehashing. We're like a half mile down. But man, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is just a fascinating virtue. Um, you know, we, we've come a long way, you know, from prudence, which is this turning to reality, to justice, which is responding rightly to the relationships that we live in, and courage, which is, you know, uh, doing that justice, seeing that justice is done when it's difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now uh, we turn to an, a, a new direction entirely. In temperance, man turns inward mm -hmm. and looks at his the, the 
the body, the person, the humanness that God has given him, mm-hmm. sees that it's disordered and works to remedy that, works to put order where that disorder is. And we left off last time, we were, we were, we were previewing that um, uh, a key aspect of this is whether or not the natural powers of self-preservation, the God-given powers of self-preservation and self-fulfillment mm-hmm. and self-assertion that are just part of our being and are good because God made them and he said they're good, but they're disordered. Um, the, the key is whether that self-preservation is a selfless or a selfish thing. That's one of the keys here. Mm-hmm. And this this notion of selfless self-preservation is a way that Pieper describes uh, temperance and it's a, such a fruitful notion and that's the main thing we're going to kind of dig into today yeah that's that is a uniqueness of the aspect of of the virtue of temperance is that it's not just it's not just an ordering of our reactions towards out to outside things yeah. which you know in, in one sense fortitude kind of is too it's mm-hmm. that you're trying to make sure that when fear and external stimulus yeah. you know is kind of imposed upon us sure. that our reactions are still kind of ordered with with justice to God and justice towards neighbor and yeah. everything in mind. But temperance specifically deals with, yeah, our natural, um, the natural powers of being that mm-hmm. are within us, like self-preservation. It says, how do we order those properly? Right. And it's not, and yeah, as we talked about in the last episode, it's not just a basically making those things non-entities in our, in our, uh, in our actions. No, it's, it's taking those powers and saying, how do we order those things in a way? How do we, actually let those things be active in our life and how do we activate those powers of self-preservation self-assertion yeah. in a way that is still selfless and yeah. that seems like a contradiction to the world but it's not let's read a few bits here mm-hmm. okay few so bits. this is 147 this is the first bit uh, temperancia is distinguished from the other cardinal virtues by the fact that it refers exclusively exclusively to the active man himself prudence looks to all existent reality Justice to the fellow man. The man of fortitude relinquishes in self-forgetfulness his own possessions and his life. Temperance, on the other hand, aims at each man himself. Temperance implies that man should look to himself and his condition, that his vision and his will should be focused on himself. That notion that the primordial images of all things reside in God has been applied by Aquinas to the cardinal virtues. Also, the primordial divine mode of temperancia, he states, is the turning of the divine spirit to itself. So we're getting, we're again, we're exploring an area of an apparent initial paradox here, which is that um, where God has put in us these powers of self-preservation, these, these drives towards self-realization, self-fulfillment, but we find ourselves in this odd state where um, we don't want to be selfish, we don't want to be people of pride, we don't want to be lovers of self. I mean, that's condemned throughout the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, somehow we do have to care for ourselves. And we have this paradox, in the, this, again, apparent paradox in the gospel of love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, what if, but if you're not supposed to love yourself, <laughs> then, yeah. then we seem to have a conundrum. Mm-hmm. So there's, it, it, you know, it, it begs this question of what does, for a Christian, what does love and care of one's own person look like? And that's really this, this domain of temperance. If When that's done rightly in the context of the of the whole of virtue and of, of gospel and of Re- revelation that there is a selfless rather than selfish self-preservation mm-hmm. that we're called to well and it's funny where do we get this notion that we're not supposed to love ourselves well but i mean that's, that's the funny thing is that when we actually turn to what is the real meaning of the word love what is the real meaning right. notion of love yeah then it 
if we kind of turn that in a proper way towards ourselves, like real self-love, mm-hmm. it's not right. a bad thing. Right. You know, and, and that's the point is that yeah. part of it is taking a step back and saying, or where if your notion's kind of gone astray. Yeah, what is Now, that? you know, what self- love yeah, Sorry. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, like what is, what if, what is real love? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is it? And if all love, all real love yeah. flows from God, flows yeah. from the image of God, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we only understand really, we only gain kind of in a sense the real power of divine selfless love from uh, from God, then even kind of loving ourselves in the proper way yeah. is going to have a selflessness about it. And that's actually what we're going to talk about here. Yeah. Um, and you you were mentioning, you mentioned yesterday, talking about uh, most of us, our tendency, our tendency is to, we, we find it easy, you know, Peterson talks about this. Mm, yeah. When we have a pet or something, we, we got to give like a medication to every day or something. If we love the pet, you know, it's very easy to like, yeah, th- to kind of take care of the pet and to, to consider it like, all right, yeah, we're responsible for that and everything. But why are we so hard at like doing that for ourselves? Yeah, Jordan right? Peterson points this out in yeah. his book, 12 Rules for Life. In, yeah. in his section, it's funny, the chapter itself is interesting. The chapter title is a, a, a restatement, I think, of this principle from Peeper. Um, which is his chapter title is like treat yourself. It's one of his twelve rules. Treat yourself as someone you're res- as if you were someone you're responsible for helping or something mm-hmm. like that. And the point is, is you're not you're not uh, loving yourself in relation to yourself. You're loving yourself like like as if you were another person. Mm-hmm. Just like I would look outward, and, that, and that's the example. That so it's, it's funny uh, even with our pets. Like if the doctor gives us medication to give to the pet, we're very faithful to give it to the pet, but we're not always that diligent in taking care of ourselves. You know, if we have a child or if we have a spouse, it's it's somehow it's easier sometimes to turn out to them and 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 think very clearly with a very clear head. Well, what would I want for them for the best for them? Well, I, I want them to get good sleep and to have healthy food and to get some exercise and to, mm-hmm. you know to to be at ease, not to be stressed out. Like we can want and see the what would be good for them, and we try to give it to them. But oftentimes when we turn it around and we think of ourselves in relation to ourselves. We suddenly find it really difficult to give ourselves that kind of care. We can't even think mm-hmm. straightly straight about our own self-preservation mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah, because usually we relate to everything, even including God, as sort of as other and having sort of no relation to, relation to kind of my own radical self-possession, my ego. You know, yeah. or just like you know, I am I am my own, yeah. and anything that I kind of do externally is going to sort of be. Um, my my decision to do it and kind of out of this radical like just freedom to decide whether or not and everything. But it it's funny because uh, yeah, we are really our stewards of our own beings. Right. You know, I mean my my body, my being, my soul, and everything. It is a is it a gift from God, but He retains ownership over it it's because a, He is creator. He's creator. It's like temperance so, in some yeah. sense is a matter of justice. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know, like we so in relation to God. Certainly, because he's our creator, we, we mm-hmm. and because he's all good and all powerful, and we we worship him, and we're grateful to him. Um, and then, in relation to other people, we we respond rightly to those relationships. In relation to God, though, because he's given ourselves, and we are to be stewards of ourselves, mm-hmm. of our of our mind, of our soul, of our body. That it's a it would seem to me that it's an, a certain act of justice in relation to God to take care of ourselves as someone we are in charge of. And that exactly you know? is what gets to the topic today. He says, yeah. It's in that, that self-preservation and self-care, self-love mm. actually becomes selfless. Yeah. It's because it's not done with just like, well, you know, 
I need to set set t- side, uh, set some time and work and energy aside from loving God and loving other people to love myself. Right. It's not that about. It's that that is part and parcel to the whole thing. Yeah. Because of the fact that it is a matter of justice to God that yeah. we care for ourselves. Right. This is page 148. He goes on. For man, there are two modes of this turning toward the self, a selfless and a selfish one. Only the former makes for self-preservation. The latter is destructive. In modern psychology, we find this thought. Genuine self-preservation is the turning of man toward himself with the essential stipulation, however, that in this movement he does not become fixed upon himself. Quote, whoever fixes his eyes upon himself gives no light. Unquote. Hmm. Temperance is selfless self-preservation. Intemperance is self-destruction through the selfish de- degradation of the powers which aim at self-preservation. Yeah. So there's two ways you can turn toward yourself. You can turn to yourself in a selfish, egoistic way, you know, the self in relation to the self, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a universe unto yourself. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps maybe in humility, in prudence, you, with God, you turn to try to see yourself as God sees you mm-hmm. and to see yourself as someone <laughs> who God gave you charge over and that you are to be a steward of, you are to be a good, uh, uh, you are to be a good caretaker for. And seeing yourself as that, you see both uh, realistically, both your weaknesses as well as your your strengths. You see what God made you, you see what he's called you to, but you also see very practically what, if I was taking care of myself, again, to use that, that phraseology of Peterson, if I was to take care of myself as as if I was someone I was responsible for helping, well, what would I what would I give myself? What would I want for myself? Just like what I what would I want for my child or for my spouse? You know, what would I? How would I want them to sleep and to eat and exercise and like what what would what would life look like so they could be healthy uh, human being? But more importantly, so that as a, a human being, they're they're fully ready uh, and able to pursue uh, sainthood. So mm-hmm. they're able to pursue who God wants them to be. Yeah, you know, it's only the, through the. Uh, it's kind of that. It's kind of an exodus, exodus ready to of our lens of seeing those things. So Reminds us what that is again. Exodus is. Well, I'm about to go through. Oh, it. sorry. Cool. Sorry. Cool. Come on. I don't know, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, it, it's uh, and as we talked about, temperance is the fourth of yeah. these cardinal virtues, right? Yeah. And it's almost through uh, an exodus of a, a going out from, mm-hmm. you know, going out from kind of our our way of understanding this, going sure. out from through prudence of taking a step back and. Um, looking at you know what is reality, what is the truth, and then and then looking towards justice. What is what is the just and right a- uh, reference uh, of action that I should take in regards to uh, the other? Yeah. Um, and traveling out through there, um, that and then returning and looking back on oneself mm-hmm. through the lens of justice to God is highest, and then justice to these other people in my life is second, and everything. Then looking at okay, now let us look back at myself and my own pat, mm-hmm. my own my my own things, uh, my own rightly ordered powers, or my not rightly ordered yet, but powers, natural powers of self-preservation and self-assertion, and how are those um, how are those even put at the service in a sense, and how are those used in yeah. in, in a way that is rightly ordered towards e- these external justices, right. um, and justice to God is you know taking care of oneself too, yeah, um, in the context of all those other things, but yeah, yeah. The what was I gonna say? And it was gonna be amazing and profound, oh. and it was just gonna tie us together. Well, just you know, count that. You know, let it, let yeah. the record stand. Just imagine that your just imagine something, that your brain was completely blown. Was supposed to have been said. It was amazing, and then just yeah, pretend I said that. I was gonna go back to um, again this this point that uh, uh, people references Aquinas making that uh, our 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 
powers of self-assertion and fulfillment and preservation. Again, our, our passions, our drives for food and drink and sex and all the other things that we're naturally on a human level oriented to for good reason. They, they, um, are, they have a, they can most easily bring unrest to the spirit because they belong to the essence of man. So because of their disorder, because they're how close they are to our essence as a human person, they're, when they're disordered, they have a great potential for destruction. Hmm. You know, the, the, the severely intemperate person who has no self-control, they, they can't control any of those passions. It's, a, it's an extremely self-destructive thing. And certainly it's the most visible, I think, of vices, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes a person can be very imprudent or very unjust or, or lacking in courage, and they can keep that all really inside. Yeah. But a, 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 a severe lack of temperance, you know, in regards to food or drink or sex or other things like that really shows on the surface. That really becomes this self-destruction that that spills out into your life, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, on contrast, one thing I think we're going we're gonna to be studying throughout this series is on the other side of things, when those are tempered, when those drives are tempered and ordered, that on the other hand, as you mentioned earlier, that when you meet a person for whom there is this, as he said, calls it, the serenity of spirit, that flows from an inner ordering, that too is a very visible thing. Like you encounter someone who is just at peace. They are not a bundle of competing passions and drives that are all kind of disordered. No, they, they have this inner peace, this order that, that gives rise to a peace that's very visible in their person, mm-hmm. their countenance. Um, uh, and that I think that's significant because, again, uh, as we talked about last time, temperance is not just a, a negative thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just a restraining. It's a it's a holding back and ordering so that there can be this flourishing, this full yep. human flourishing. Yeah. When I go to the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, do tell, do tell. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll tell you about the people that I don't want to be, though I'm probably all of the above at various times in my life. First of all, I don't want to be the person who goes in there, has a meal, then has one piece of cheesecake and is like, that was the best dang cheesecake I've ever had. I'm going to have two more, <laughs> right? And it's like, just just goes at it, goes to town. Rah, yeah. rah, rah. Um, no. I also don't want to be the person who's like, okay, I probably should only have one thing of cheesecake, you know, a piece of cheesecake. And I go in there and I, I get one piece and I'm like, man, I really feel like having another piece of cheesecake, but I'm not going to. And I sort of feel the need to announce that to the rest of the room and feel good about myself. <laughs> oh, right? I couldn't possibly. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, well, Thanks. you share it with me. Well, if with I'll me. get one, you'll yeah, share it with right, me, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want to do that either. <laughs> I also don't, you know, don't want to be the person who has to go in there and I get one piece of cheesecake and other people get a couple and I sit there and smolder at them mm. because they they decided to get one more and I really want one more, but I'm holding <laughs> back and it just makes me angry. That's interesting. I want to eventually be the person, what I ideally want to be the person, is you can go in there and have one piece of cheesecake. And because of the habituated habit of temperance in yeah. my life, I can, without, without kind of any uh, unnecessary wrestling of being, yeah. basically say, one is enough. In this situation, you know that's great. Glory to God, and be at peace. Glory to and God. Glory to God yeah. in that moment, and and then can no longer have to focus in on myself in that moment, yeah. and, and externally focus on other people and talk. You know. That's a good, and th- this is something I think we'll explore a lot in the coming episodes. Just the cheesecake factory. The cheesecake. We're going to yes. explore yes. it. We're going to do it on location. <laughs> right, right, right. This is all come down to a tour of the cheesecake factory. And I'm totally going to have three pieces. I think there's 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 typical images of of temperance that we I think we're familiar with mm-hmm. maybe in a pop culture way but I temperance is, is so much more subtle and there I think there are asp- there are ways of being intemperate that we're we're much less familiar with or aware of mm-hmm. and, and you gave a couple examples there I mean you reminded me 
um, C.S. Lewis has this example in Screwtape Letters mm. of like the finicky eater. So mm. certainly you, we have the the in, image of intemperance as the, the indulgent glutton. Mm. But what about the person who just has to have everything perfectly their way? Mm. You know, um, so their their indulgence, their their um, their disordered desire is not so much for an, an amount of food, but perhaps for a quality of food or having things a certain way or never being pleased with how they're served. And so there's always like, I think there's lots of subtler forms that intemperance can take. And, and, and again, this gets into the subjectivity of temperance that we, I think every person has areas mm-hmm. in their life where they're intemperate. And the thing is, if they don't fit the usual models, sometimes it's easy to self be self-deceptive and say, oh, I'm a pretty temperate person just because I don't overeat or just because I don't drink too much. When actually there's pro- there's a lot of subtler areas that I think are just as destructive that we have, if those are our areas, we have to we have to address them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. I mean, I think humility and pride is an example. Like mm-hmm. the various ways in which we... Um, Again, there's a there's a natural impulse to self fulfillment, self assertion, as he talks about. Um, but on the on the level of temperance and, te- and temperance, there's all kinds of ways that um, those that can over manifest itself. This this egoism can over can manifest itself in all kinds of subtle ways that aren't as obvious as just eating five pieces of cheesecake. Right. You know? Right. I went from three three to five. In your, in the example here. I'm, Thanks. You I'm, extended <laughs> a little bit. That way, we can both have three pieces of cheesecake tonight. You know how I measure yeah. temperance and temperance. No. I do want. I do want. <laughs> I do. For you, it's three. For me, it's five. Uh, I do <laughs> want to express once again that yeah. that was an arbitrary example. You know, but um, yeah. yeah, we're not necessarily judging you if you had three not, pieces no, of cheesecake. No. I mean, hey, maybe it was your so. birthday, and maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was really uh, small piece of cheesecake. Man, so. yeah, both both courage and temperance. Um, have this subjectivity to them, mm. right? Your fears, your slate of fears, uh, the things that you that that are a challenge to your courage are different than mine, and the things that that uh, are difficult for you to temper the the inner the 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 particular disorder that you find in yourself that you it's the part of the the project of your life to to reorder to order through the through the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ is different from not mine. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think, an important aspect here because, again, we can sometimes look at someone else's intemperance or someone else's lack of courage and then use that as the measuring stick mm-hmm. by which we measure ourselves. And it's like, yeah. no, that may not be relevant to us at all. Yeah, you know? right. Um, right. Anytime we kind of make try, try to gauge ourselves by other people, then we're just, yeah, it's just it's never going to be fruitful for us yeah. in that way. So I wanted to talk. Where are we going next? Uh, I wanted to talk just about how, um, again, if we think about the framework of the cardinal virtues again, um, <laughs> which we've we've gone back and forth over many yeah. times, but I, I think the framework is is helpful. Uh, just the reminder here that that prudence and temperance have this interesting relationship, where um, I think one of the most common v- patterns of vice that we all fall into as human beings is being people for whom our intemperance, our disordered passion rules us and drives us and our, our reason kind of comes along for the ride. Again, we have a, we have a term for this. I mean, mm-hmm. rationalization, right? What does Oof. that mean? Rationalization is when mm-hmm. passion, our drives are leading and we're trying to make polite fictions, mm-hmm. uh, reasonable sounding fictions for why this is the right thing to do. That's what rationalization means. It mm-hmm. means I, I want this to be true and so I'm going to make up 
reasons for why it's it's true and good mm-hmm. rather than flipping it upside down and saying no 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 i have to set aside my my drives and my passions first and ask what is right what is good what is just and then i attempt to do it and sometimes my my passions are in order and they're help to that and sometimes i got to you know pull those horses back into line a little bit so like that keeping those in mind that that relationship because I think that's that's a first important step along the road to virtue is just recognizing that again, we always go back to prudence. We always mm-hmm. go back to reality, turning to reality uh, before um, we make decisions, before we we try to to grow in these other virtues. That it has to be dependent, rooted in, in prudence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can think of those situations where we would be tempted to rationalize. Mm-hmm. Where the only really way to deal with it is to really step back. And try to, in a sense, dissociate ourselves or, or to set aside that intemperate desire for a second so that we can kind of, okay, yeah, what what is reality, you know, yeah. and then attempt to, to kind of come back around to prudence and try to establish ourselves there and what is what is the reality, what is the truth, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think this is true both for, like, understanding, and we, we've talked a lot about how the, there's that pendulum, right, between maybe an intemperance in one direction, you know, so an in, in overindulgence in cheesecake. Again, to stick with the cheesecake example. Cheesecake. But then there, there is a, there's a, a reaction, an imprudent reaction in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So I respond to my, my intemperance, my intemperate indulgence by reacting and making perhaps a, an unwise plan to deal with that mm-hmm. rather than stepping back to prudence and saying, no, wait a minute. What what is food, and what would what would a healthy diet look like in my life, and what is the place of treat you know a, a piece of cake in my life? Where do you know it's not that a cheesecake is never an okay thing, but mm-hmm. maybe I wait till it's somebody's birthday and they're serving cheesecake, and then yeah, I have a piece of cheesecake and I celebrate their birthday. But if we stay, I think if we just stay on the level of uh, of, of passion and drive, sometimes we can have this action over reaction, this this conjula- constant pendulum back and forth. The, the, to use very crude and perhaps triggering terms here, uh, the binge and barf kind of cycle, you know, like the, just the, the action and overreaction. Hmm. Whereas we step back to prudence and we, we make a plan for our life. We, a- we ask, we interrogate, what are these things for? What are these drives for? What would a good life look like? What, what's, how do I need to, to adopt my lifestyle? So both the times of feasting and the times of fasting are helping me to become a, uh, who Christ wants me to be. So again, that, that, um, Temperance informed by prudence. I think that that's a key here, that we always are, are rooting ourselves back in that attendance to reality. Okay. So that's all I wanted to say about that okay. particular point. Well, we need to step back in prudence. Yes. And get down to some of the, I think, uh, reestablish ourselves and maybe some of the meat of this chapter. Sure. Um, one of the things I think that important for, for him, that, that he says is important for us to establish, is that, um, where does he say it? Oh, it's actually on 148. He says, For man is not really a battlefield of conflicting forces and impulses which mm-hmm. conquer one another. And if we say that the sensuality in us gets the better of our reason, this is only a vague and metaphorical manner of speaking. Mm-hmm. Rather, it is always our single self that is chaste or unchaste, temperate or intemperate, self-preserving or self-destructive. Mm-hmm. That's important to recognize because it's not, when it comes to temperance especially, it's not necessarily a matter of kind of external kind of forces in, except you know for the fact that we're being tempted by the devil, but yeah. um, but it's not so much a matter of kind of like these inherently evil forces battling against inherently good forces, but it's it's this overreaction of mm. those things, right? 
So, um, so in looking towards from the outside or looking first and foremost towards what we should be looking at, which is love of God and, and our reason and everything, um, from that point of view, how is it that we, or what, in what way does the self-preservation uh, become selfless? So I got to think about that for a moment, but I, right. what I wanted to say is that, you know, so again, going off of your point, when we look inward, what we should, what we should be expecting to find is a primordial order. Hmm. Like there's a difference between saying we're disordered and saying that we're like fundamentally mm. broken. Mm-hmm. You know, again, God made us good and, and there's a disorder, there's a brokenness, but that underneath it is the primordial order, the way that yes. God intended us to be. And so there can be, you know, this is this is a weird, goofy example, but I remember thinking about, sometimes you hear the sentiment uh, in, in pop culture about, regarding like dieting, mm-hmm. you hear the sentiment of, oh, everything that's tasty is bad for me. <laughs> and yeah. that's such a fascinating thing yeah. because, well, that, it begs the question, like, are humans and their their tastes for different kinds of food, are they fundamentally broken? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think they are. I think we have a modern food system that co-ops those tastes. It co-ops the, the natural human tastes for salt and fat and sweet. And I think umami is the is the fourth one. That's like cheese flavored. Anyway, oh. the, po- <laughs> the point is modern uh, or savory, sometimes you mm. put in there. But the modern food system, I think, co-ops those desires. But if we think of like in their natural setting, those would be the desires that would lead us to Healthy food. I mean, food, I think that we all generally agree is food. Like, again, meat and vegetables and fruits, you know, things out in nature. It's only in a a modern food system, in a modern convenience store, that all those tastes lead us to things that are, yeah, pretty awful for our bodies. Hmm. But I I love that it's just an interesting sentiment, right? Because there is this sense in which, well, do we look at our bodies and assume, no, we're fundamentally broken. and, And it's all a matter of outsmarting our fundamentally broken human natures. Or do we presume, no, our human natures are made by God. They're, they're fundamentally good. They just have some disorder or they're being co-opted or perverted by something in you know, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, that, I think what we, what we look inward and expect to find is important. You know, we want to we look for God's uh, primordial order that he designed and look for the ways that we've fallen short, the way that we're affected by um, original sin and our own personal sins. And we want to re- repent of those and and fix those and reorder those things. But again, fundamentally, um, our human being is good because God made us. Hmm. And he made us good. Yeah. yeah. There's the he he says that you know that the discipline of temperance is is really one of saving and defending hmm. the realization of that order right. of man. It's it's a um sort of a protection, uh, not, not just kind of a gaining of sort of like of taking a blank slate of kind of our inner selves and then just trying to you know, all right, d- design design of ourselves like this ordering of our of our of ever everything inside us, kind of according to some external kind of image. But yeah. it's a it's a lo- really looking at like what is it how how is it that we are supposed to be? You know, as we talked about uh, Adam and Eve, they they were able to love God. Mm-hmm. You know, first and foremost, just that was natural. That was yeah. that was that was the way that they were, and everything was supposed to, was ordered in that way. Yeah. Least, but these primordial uh, urges, these not urges, powers, I would say, powers mm-hmm. inside of us now have a tendency to kind of to to bust out and sort of ravaging, you know, and ravaging uh, untempered and unbridled uh, 
fury, mm-hmm, <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to use it for lack of a better term. And we let, we should maybe look at that in terms of some of the different ways. So we've looked at it just briefly. We've sort of looked at it when it comes to food and stuff. But mm-hmm. maybe we should sort of – I like the examples that he gives on 151 because it yeah. shows us – how it's not just about food and stuff like that. You know, yeah. it, it, it helps to make that kind of a bit more concrete. Yeah, this is, a, I think, a good way to, to wrap up this episode and give a preview forward. Yeah, on, on 151, he on the previous page, he notes that um, uh, the natural or urge towards sensual enjoyment manifested in, in delight in food and drink and sexual pleasure mm-hmm. is the echo and mirror of man's strongest natural forces of self-preservation. And so those are the, right. kind of the, the most basic, obvious yeah. areas that temperance governs. We're hun- we get hungry because we are, our bodies are seeking to preserve themselves in life. Right. You know, Rightly speaking, it's a good thing. It's good that we have that. Otherwise, yeah, we might not remember to eat. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same so. with same with water and same with, um, you know, the, the, the drive to reproduce, the yes. drive to unite with another be, human being. Be fruitful and, be, and multiply. Yeah. So, but beyond that, um, he writes, but we have not as yet fully explored the range of the concept of temperancia. In humility, the instinctive urge to self-assertion can also be made serviceable to genuine self-preservation, but it can likewise pervert and miss this purpose in pride. And mm-hmm. so that'll be one of the one of the topics ahead. And if the natural desire of man to avenge an injustice which he has suffered and to restore his rights explodes in uncontrollable fury, it destroys that which can be preserved only by gentleness and mildness. Mm-hmm. So these ways of moderating um, the passion of anger. Well, and it's I like the way that he talks about those because it it really helps to see that sense of order that that there really is a defense, a preserving about this idea of te- temperance because. The idea being is that when a lower, when a lower, uh, lower desire kind of exceeds its bounds of proportionality, mm. when it comes to the higher orders, when when mm. when it is not ruled by rational our rational minds mm-hmm. in relation to love of God and love of neighbor, mm-hmm. um, and when it exceeds those bounds and is allowed to just kind of get, is given license to do That's just good. sort of yeah. whatever, then what it it all, almost always does is. Uh, it, it almost always destroys a higher good mm-hmm. that should be preserved up and above it, and right. and 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 and, it, and it not and it's not a matter of that dish needs to be squelched mm-hmm. in order to preserve the higher good, but actually, if it is kept in the right order, it actually serves the higher good. Yeah. So, and I like like when he talks about the uh, reacting against an injustice against us. Right, I love that um, because he says there on the one hand, yeah, the that 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 natural urge of like of self assertion of I need to redress that wrong. Um, that there is a goodness in that. Mm-hmm. There is a very much a goodness in that. But when it's let loose in unbridled fury, then it mm-hmm. destroys higher things, such as love and love of neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it destroys that that would have been maintained if we had, if our by rationale we had tempered that in the yeah. truest sense with gentleness. And, and it's it's the yeah. self assertion would still happen. But it would be tempered with gentleness in order to preserve the higher thing. Exactly. Yeah, and actually, later on in the chapter on on moderating anger, he'll talk about the, the interesting connection between courage and temperance in the sense that in in temperance, the passion of anger, the desire for justice, is tempered so that it can be put to productive use in courage. Mm-hmm. So that when again uh, under under the guidance of prudence in in justice, when it is the right time and place and degree to set your shoulder against the obstacle or mm-hmm. to attack the evil, you do it and you do it in a way that is fruitful. Yeah. You know? It is so, oh gosh, it is so easy in life mm-hmm. 
when things like that happen and you know you need to assert yourself because like you just you know it needs to be done mm -hmm. in a certain you need to redress this thing it's so easy to revert to basically saying well i need to do it now because i'm angry enough now <laughs> and if i don't do it now i won't have the courage to do it later yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like oh my gosh that is like the opposite of how everything's working out right you know yeah. in the sense of like I need to do it now when I'm feeling completely intemperate about it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And so it's like the temperance like helps us to say like, okay, you know, to sort of rein that in and to try to order it in gentleness and kindness towards the, 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 the proper, you know, the, the proper expression. Mm -hmm. But then the fortitude and the courage actually helps us then to take the next step forward and to, to do that. And it, it's kind of a, it, it's an interesting thing because I think in the image of someone doing that, mm -hmm. we see a serenity. Mm -hmm. We see a serenity of someone who approaches another person and says, hey, like, and addresses the thing mm -hmm. and addresses it with fortitude and courage mm -hmm. and, you know, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't hold back in the sense of doesn't, you know, just try to minimize it, but also doesn't, but does it with gentleness and, and then sits there and takes whatever comes to yeah. them, you know, in the sense of it's a person's reprisal, yeah. you know, and there's a serenity about that. It's amazing. Yeah. The ability Even, to remain prudent. Yeah. You know, whatever's happening, they, they, they remain rational mm -hmm. so that they don't just make one right step, but they're able yeah. to make the right step. And as you say, then receive whatever comes and mm -hmm. make the next right decision and the next and the next. You know? And you can see the walk through each of the virtues, yeah. each of the cardinal virtues in, uh, in that process. Yeah. So... Oh, that's good stuff. So that, yeah, I'm excited to, we'll dig into the moderation of anger uh, and the, the virtues and vices associated with that. Uh, he goes on, without rational self-restraint, even the natural hunger for sense perception or for knowledge mm. can degenerate into a destructive and pathological compulsive greed. Th this is so apropos to our modern information age. He writes, this degradation Aquinas calls curiositas, the disciplined mode studiositas. That's one of my, that's one of my favorite sub uh, topics under temperance is this studi studiousness, mm -hmm. this virtuous pursuit of knowledge versus a, an, an intemperate uh, grasping at knowledge and stuff that probably wasn't your business in the first place. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> Watching dumpster fires on the internet, you know that kind of a thing. Hey, oh, I'm sorry. I make those dumpster fires. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> to sum up. Chastity, continence, humility, gentleness, mildness, studiositas are modes of realization of the discipline of temperance. Unchastity, incontinence, pride, uninhibited wrath, curiositas are forms of intemperance. And those are all topics that we're going to dig into soon. So, looking forward to it. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of Deep in Christ. Talk to you soon. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this week's discussion on the virtue of temperance. Father Peter and I are digging into this, this new virtue, this new study. Um, you know, we talked about uh, temperance as selfless self-preservation, as Joseph Pieper describes it. You know, it's this way of looking uh, looking toward the self uh, in a way that, that answers that bit of a paradox uh, I mentioned earlier. You know, Christ gives us this command to love your neighbor as yourself. And the question is, well, how do I love myself. Well, not in a prideful way, not in a selfish way, not in an ego-driven or self-referential sort of way. No, I, I look to myself as an object of my virtuous living um, in reference to Christ, in reference to true justice that God has given me to myself. He has given me charge over myself, and as an act of obedience and justice to God, I 
take care of myself. And so, again, we, we look inward and we find uh, in ourselves this primordial order. And that was a, a key point that we went over uh, together, that uh, when we look inward, there's a question. Do we, with the world, sometimes look inward and see ourselves as something fi- fundamentally broken or random or the product of chance? Or do we look inward and expect to see God's order? Now, it's an order that's disfigured and disordered by sin, but is there an order there that we're trying to recognize and realize and cooperating with Christ's grace put order back into? That's an important distinction here because, again, Christ made us, we're good, and whatever is not good in us is the result of sin. And so, again, Christ is here, the great healer, to try to put that back in order. Um, because temperance deals with essential human drives, you know, these aspects of our, our humanity that are so close to us, um, they have such potential for destruction when they're out of order, but also such potential for human flourishing when they're in order. Again, in our, in our previous episode, we talked about how Aquinas calls temperance serenity of spirit, which uh, arises from this inner order. When things are in order, then our, our whole person, our whole soul, our whole spirit has this greater peace uh, that, we, that we're more ready to respond to God. We're more ready to walk with God, uh, to do justice, to live courageously, to live prudently because we've set things, we've set our inner house, our inner life in order. Um, we also talked about how temperance has a wider purview than most of us usually think. Sometimes we we think of temperance and we're just thinking of the big obvious, you know, like people eating too much or drinking too much. But there's a whole lot more there. There are other drives and desires and and, uh, orientations within us that that need to be ordered. Um, And it's different for everybody. You know, some people have, um, everybody will have their particular slate uh, uh, of things that need to be put in order in their life. They'll have different strengths and weaknesses. You know, some people will be more or less drawn to food or drink or sex or these different things in different ways. But it's the task of each person to know themselves, to put themselves in order, to make themselves a greater capacity for Christ's grace and for his you know, working through us uh, to do the work uh, he intends and to make us who he called us to be. And so finally, just keep in mind this connection, interesting connection between prudence and temperance. Temperance, you know, it's governing governing um, the life of, of our passions and our, our desires. And so often we walk around simply being being led around, uh, moved, pushed, and pulled about by our desires. Um, and then our reason comes along for the ride. This is what, as I mentioned in the episode, that what, this is what rationalization is. When we already know what we want, what we want to be true, what we we uh, we wish was true, and what we're just trying to come up with with reasons. Uh, why we can continue believing what we're believing. And that's contrary to prudence. Again, prudence turns toward reality. And so part of the, the goal of tempering desire is that I need to be a person for whom my desires don't set, um, don't set the context for what I believe to be true. I need to be a person who has enough, enough restraint, enough moderation of my desires and my passions that I can really turn to reality and say, what is true? What is real? What, God, what is God calling me to do? What do I need to change? What is God speaking to me today? If I'm a person of, of where my passions are all out, uh, out of whack, that are pushing me and pulling me around, I can't really be open to truth. And so to be people of prudence, which again is the mother and mold of all moral virtue, as we studied earlier, I have to be a person of temperance. And so, 
again, we're going to dig a whole lot more into temperance. Uh, there's so many good sub-virtues, sub-topics uh, that this affects. And again, because it's governing uh, an aspect of our being that's just so close to us, so close to our humanity, um, it's it just there's a lot of power there. There's a lot of fruit to be had when we submit this area of our life to Christ. So again, hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to dig a little bit more uh, into some of the sub-virtues uh, starting next week. Uh, in the meantime, you know, if you're enjoying this show, this discussion on virtue, on life in Christ, on prayer, um, we invite you to subscribe and like uh, in your favorite pod- podcast app or on YouTube or wherever you would like. Um, or else you can also go to community.chnetwork.org. That's the online community of the Coming Home Network International, where you can follow this show and other shows from the Coming Home Network International and participate in our community. The Coming Home Network is a network of people who have come from a variety of Christian and non-Christian religious backgrounds to embrace the Catholic Church. And so we're a network of those converts helping others who may be on the journey to the church or maybe just asking questions. This is this is your network, if that describes you. And so, you know, we invite you to join uh, the community at community.chnetwork.org and also visit chnetwork.org for all kinds of other resources, our newsletter, stories, videos, all kinds of great stuff there uh, for your ongoing journey of faith. Um, whatever your questions might be, you know, in the meantime, this show is about our daily walk with Christ as we figure all those questions out. We got to keep praying, we got to keep growing in imitation of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, once again, thank you for joining me for this discussion. God bless you. We'll see you again next week.